One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up. We got a hot podcast coming up. One half of the We're Having a Good Time podcast is back in studio. Um, uh, I don't even have a real teaser. I've been gone for a while. Uh, We moved to a new place. It's a bit noisier, but now we're back. My name's Dusty Slay, uh, and this is the We're Having a Good Time podcast. I'm very pumped to be back. I mean, things are loud here. We got a new place. We moved to a new apartment. I love it so much more, uh, but it's louder. We got a lot of street noise here. We're right on a street. Uh, I don't know how to fix it. I got a bunch of I got a bunch of pieces of styrofoam or uh, or um, audio foam, whatever they call it, and I'm gonna put that on the wall, and that's gonna help this echo and help all this noise outside. But for now. We got just a basically a cluttered room, and I'm sitting in here. I even am having to use a different computer to record this because it's out of whack. Everything's out of whack. We moved, and when you have the schedule like well, uh, Hannah and I have had, trying to move in between is tough. I mean, I go away for you know the weekend, and then I come back, and I'm trying to move in the two days that I have in town, and then I go away again. And then I come back. Uh, last week was the big move. My mom came into town, had a few friends, came to help me. Um, and we moved Monday and Tuesday. And that part of the move was the easiest move I've ever had. Uh, my friends, uh, Connor Larson, Matt Price, helped me move. They're strong dudes. They go to the gym. They work out. And they moved all the big stuff. And um, Hannah and my mom... Hannah moved so much small stuff throughout the whole time that all we had was the big stuff left. So Monday and Tuesday, we made the move. I got up Wednesday morning at like 5 a.m. I drove Hannah to the airport where she flew to Seattle, Washington, and that's where she's at right now. Hannah, she gone, she gone, gone, gone. Hannah, she gone, she gone, gone, gone. And then after... uh, after that, I came back, and I went to sleep, and I woke up, and I felt real achy, and then all of a sudden, I just got super sick. So I was, that Wednesday, last Wednesday, I was going to try to get everything organized on the podcast and do a podcast and then have my mom be on the podcast with me, tell some fun stories, but I got sick, and I couldn't do it, so I ended up just leaving the next day, and... um 
and leaving for another weekend. And now I'm back. And now we're ready. Everything's going to be good to go from here on out. If you're still with me, uh, I appreciate it. Because uh, I want to keep doing this. I'm enjoying doing this. I have no intentions of stopping the podcast. Uh, even if no one listens anymore, I have no intentions of stopping the podcast. Honestly, when I started this podcast, it was never about how many listeners can I get. It was about providing something for people that want to listen to me. You know what I mean? Like, of course, we all want millions of viewers. But deep down, I just want people that... Uh, that want to listen, that want to hear what I got going on, that want to keep up with me, uh, and I want them to listen. So, I'm back. I've been flying a lot, flying more than more than usual. Today I'm leaving again, but I'm leaving in a car, and uh, I feel pretty good about it. I'm excited to be back behind the wheel. I've been letting, I've been in no in no kind of control, right? I mean, when you fly. You uh, you know, if Hannah's not here, I take an Uber to the airport, so someone drives me to the airport. I get to the airport, someone, you know, tells me to take off my shoes and my belt and dig through all my bags and uh, everything because I'm, you know, I don't know what they think I'm going to do, uh, but they dig all through your stuff and they go, and, you know, it's so funny to me that the TSA, they tell you not to put your valuables in your checked bag. Because you don't know who's going through it and stuff comes up missing, right? So it's pretty funny that the people that they say are protecting us also might potentially steal from us. So, you know, and then we so we have these people that uh, work for the airport that, you know, are somehow in charge of safety and they think that we're all a threat. So they... Uh, go digging through our stuff and patting us down and touching us anyway. More loss of control. Then we step through a weird kind of x-ray machine, and I don't know if that's shooting our body with radiation or not. I'm pretty sketched out about it. But anyway, so then you go and you sit and you get on a plane. If the plane's delayed, there's nothing you can do. Uh, And you get on it and you fly. And then when I land, normally the club will have a ride waiting on me, which is very nice. But then I get in that car and I ride to the hotel. And then every night I'll have someone pick me up and drive me to the club. It's all very nice. It's all so much easier. But I'm just not used to it. I'm used to having a little more control. And and I usually drive myself to the club, drive myself, you know, drive myself the whole way. Now, in a lot of ways, I am so sick of driving. But in other ways... Uh, there's a little bit uh, more freedom in it, and I kind of miss some of that. So I'm just going to get out on the road a little bit this week and uh, just enjoy myself out here. So let's get into – oh, oh, I wanted to say this before I got into some weird tangent about how I don't like the TSA. I don't even know how I got into that. I'm not even upset about the TSA. But every time in the airport, I'm upset about it. I'm taking off my shoes. I'm taking off my belt. People are screaming the whole time, empty your pockets, empty your pockets. And then right before you go through the x-ray machine, the the guy's like, are your pockets empty? And I'm like, yeah, dude, they're empty. You've yelled at me 45 times to empty my pockets. My pockets are empty. You know what I mean? It's like, what what do you think I got in there? 
I just think it's weird that people think we want to do things on a plane. If I do something to people on a plane, either I have to land that plane myself or when the plane lands, I'm going to jail. A plane seems like the worst thing to try to to try to do anything on. Now, I know we had a thing that happened, but that was like what 18 years ago and hasn't happened since. So, I don't think it's the people yelling at me to empty my pockets that's keeping us safe. Anyway, I'm back on that tangent. All I wanted to say was um, when I'm on an airplane, they always offer you Wi-Fi. They say you have free entertainment. They go, now we offer free entertainment on your laptops or, or notebooks or whatever. But then when you go to click on it, you have to pay for the Wi-Fi. And... At least um, some of these planes, if you have T-Mobile, you can get uh, free Wi-Fi, which is the only benefit I've ever seen to having T-Mobile. But so you get on this, so you get on the Wi-Fi, and then you're sitting there, and it says like eight dollars or twelve dollars. One time it was twelve dollars. I was the middle seat in between two large guys, and then the recliner in front of me was kicked back pretty far. So I was cramped in there, and I had a three-hour flight. And I looked in, and it said Wi-Fi was like $18. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not spending $18 for Wi-Fi for three hours. I'll be fine, right? And then like an hour in, I'm like, dang, I wish I would have got that Wi-Fi, you know? And then I'm like, but I can't get it now because if I get it now, then I feel stupid for not getting it an hour ago. And then at like an hour to go, there is uh, an option to get it for $12 for the last hour. And then I was like, well, I can't spend $12 for the last hour because then I've let a measly $6 keep me from getting Wi-Fi this whole time. So I'm wa- I watched two movies over the shoulder of this guy on mute. I mean, I couldn't hear it. We were practically dating by the end. I'm watching a movie over his shoulder. The other guy on the other side of me... He's having a couple of cocktails. He's watching a stand-up special. He's laughing. He's having a fun time. I'm in the middle, miserable, because I wouldn't spend $18. So I'm just saying, spend $18, you know, get into it. I spent $40 the other day because I flew Southwest, and I was in Group C, which is like the last group. And with Southwest, I mean, I like it, but... I don't know. I don't know what the plan is with Southwest and uh, having no seating assignment, but I do not like that. So I paid forty dollars just so I could board first because I was like, I want to get a good seat. I don't want to. I don't want to be in Group C and get the last seat, the seat that no one else wanted. You know what I mean? But I'm having a good time out here, despite the change in travel for me. Now, again, I want to reiterate, the change in travel is amazing because, you know, you're talking about, I put, you know, 315,000 miles, well, 215,000 miles on my last car. I mean, I drive all the time, everywhere. I've been burning it up for years. My, My lower back hurts. My hip hurts from pushing the gas pedal. Um... I got. I finally got a car where I can plug in my phone to listen to podcasts and stuff like that. But 
you know, I'm listening to the radio stations out there for years. I mean, there was a lot about the road that was making me angry. So I'm happy to be flying, but it is a change, and uh, some of the stuff I don't like. I'm not a big fan of flying. I'm not afraid of it. Uh, I don't I don't get all nervous, but I just don't like it. It makes me feel weird. My body is not designed to go that fast, I don't think. I don't think my body is designed to go as fast as a car goes. I think I'm, you know, my grandfather, this is not even a joke. My grandfather was born in 1900. He used to ride a horse and buggy to town. You know what I mean? Like, I am two generations away from a man that rode a horse and buggy to town. I'm not supposed to be moving this fast yet. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm just, um, I'm just, uh, feel like my, you know, like a, like a cartoon where a certain part of the body takes off, but then like the head stays back and then it catches up. I feel like that's how I am when I fly. I land, but my head's still up in the clouds. And I finally figured out how to pop my ears to get the pressure out of my head. But it is a good time. I sometimes I stay at hotels with a lot of, near the airport with a lot of flight attendants and pilots, and they always seem so snobby, right? Like they won't talk to you, they won't even make eye contact with you, and they act like they're so much better than you. And it's like you drove me here, you know what I mean? Like, like the, I want to say to the pilot, like, dude, you drove me to this hotel, and the flight attendants, I want to be like, you guys were my servers on the plane, like. You know what I mean? You're like a restaurant in the sky. You know, I've been a restaurant before, and I got a lot of friends that drive for Uber. You know what I mean? Like, you guys got to take it easy. The most impressive thing that a pilot does to me is land. That's what I think is impressive. I think I could take off in a plane. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd need to learn some stuff, but I think I could take off from a runway. And I think I could fly the plane in the sky. Landing would be the challenge, and arguably the most you know most important part. I mean, if 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 you can't land, then you're not going to get to fly a bunch. You know what I mean? You might have a successful flight or two, but if you can't land that thing, you're not going to have a lot more flights, and that's for sure. And um, so I, I I feel like I've gone into quite a bit I've, I've gotten back into playing Angry Birds I play Angry Birds 2 that's now what I do on a plane I always say I'm going to ride on the plane or I'm going to do this on the plane but to be honest when I'm up there and I'm moving nothing feels good about my body really that I'm like ooh I'm feeling a real creative spurt so and in the hotel I don't know if there's any way I could get lazier than when I'm in a hotel I don't know what happens to me. I go to a place. This is what I used to do. When I used to drive all the time and before I had a laptop, I used to take my desktop computer because I have a Mac, right? So it's just got the one plug. So I would pack it up in the box and I would take my desktop computer to a hotel with me. I um, I used to do that all the time until I was in Indianapolis and John Reap, I was working with John Reap and he made fun of me. And the MC uh, Brian Kristoff uh, made fun of me. I'll be back at Crackers soon, I think the 1st of April. So if you're listening from uh, Indianapolis, um, I'll be there again soon. It's been a while, almost a year. I used to come to Crackers like two or three times a year. So it's been 
actually almost a year, so I'm pretty excited to come back. But yeah, I used to set up my desktop computer in the hotel because I could really get some work done. Now I have a laptop, but I have a laptop. I don't know what happens when it gets cold. The keyboard gets all crunchy, and that sounds gross, but I have not done anything to that keyboard. There's been no nasty stuff happening on this laptop computer, so I don't know what it is. When it's when it's warm outside, uh, or if it's been in the heat, the keyboard works amazing, but if it gets a little cold, it gets crunchy in there, and I don't know what that's all about. I mean, I've spilled some stuff, but nothing nasty, you know what I mean? Like, I hate that... I hate that there's that thing out there about keyboards where anytime a keyboard's dirty, people are like, oh, what's been happening here? And it's like, nothing, dude. I haven't been doing anything on my keyboard, you know. But, you know, I've spilled some stuff here and there. Drinks. And um, so that's probably it. But I wish it would just stop doing it. I thought at some point it would be over. I almost want to buy a new laptop just to stop that. But I think my desktop that I like to have, I think it's it's pooping out on me. I bought it in 2014. I would think that I could get more than five years out of it, I'll be honest with you, but it seems to be crashing out. Also, I don't do anything shady with my laptop. I have downloaded some YouTube videos off the internet, but uh, that's about it. So, oh, so I'm saying, so I get real lazy in a hotel. I'm like, I got, you know, like, like, This weekend, I went to San Antonio, and I flew in on Thursday, and I had all day Friday. I had to do radio in the morning, but I had the rest of the day Friday, and then I had all day Saturday, and then I had all day Sunday, flew out Monday morning. I had three full days to get things done. I can't do anything. I did nothing productive. I mean, I thought about my jokes. I took some baths. I played on the internet. I thought about my jokes, and I came up with some new things. I got a new little bit to my Cracker Barrel joke, which feels very good. I feel like I'm keeping on brand, uh, writing jokes about, you know, I got, now I have, you know, I have uh, Western Sizzling jokes, Golden Corral jokes, and Cracker Barrel jokes. So, next up, oh, I had an IHOP joke for a while, but it wasn't really hitting because... Because uh, people don't know what they don't like. My joke about IHOP was that I don't even think people like pancakes. I don't know if it's a full joke. But I don't think people like pancakes. I think people like syrup, you know? And I think they just need a carrier. And there's always some weird person in the crowd. Because I was like, who in here eats dry pancakes? And like one show, there was like a lady who was like, I do. And it's like, okay, the one lady is not enough to make me change the joke. But I don't think people realize that they don't like pancakes. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand pancakes. We go on this uh, thing about, you know, we're always like, ooh, pancakes, ooh, people go nuts for them. And I'm like, it's just some weird little flavorless bread that we pour butter and syrup on. I mean, I can put bur- I've eaten syrup with fried chicken before and it's delicious. I don't know if you ever had that. Actually, that is really good to get a uh piece of fried chicken and some either white bread or uh a biscuit and dip it in some syrup. Gosh, it's so good. You can do that with pork chops too. I don't eat pork chops anymore, but I used to. And fried pork chops, uh white bread and maple syrup. Gosh, that's so good. 
I recommend it. I recommend getting into it. So let's do this. So let's jump into the where we've been, where we're going section. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. All right. Um, I'm going to just give a rundown of the last few places I've been. Bef- the last podcast I did, I had just come off the shows with Burt Kreischer. And now, sorry, I'm just finishing a coffee here. It had, it had already got lukewarm on me, so I want to go ahead and rack that up. So, I was in, so I had just come off the shows with Burt Kreischer. I recorded that podcast, and then I left and I went to Phoenix. So that's where I'm going to pick up right now. I went to Phoenix. I flew out there. And I did uh, a Thursday at Stand Up Live in Phoenix. I headlined. It was very fun. I was very surprised. That place seats 600 people. And I definitely did not have 600 people at my show. But considering that I've only been to that club one other time, and it was in 2015, I was very excited of how many people came. And the show was great. And then the next day I went to Tempe, Arizona, where I had just been, and I was opening for Robert Kelly. Very excited to open for Robert Kelly. Um, These are the comedians we like. He was on, you know, some episodes of Louie. He played Louie's brother. And I thought it was very funny. He has the Bang Bang episode. And it was one of my favorites. If not my favorite episode of that show. I just love that. If you've never seen it, I don't even know if they air it anymore. Because whatever happened with Louie. But I, I, uh, I think it's funny. And anyway... That episode. There's some darkness in the show, which is, uh, uh, it's, I don't know, it's just amazing to me how everybody was so seemed so shocked about Louie when stuff came out about him. I'm like, that dude was telling you all along that he had some stuff going on. Anyway, um, so I'm sitting in the green room, right? I got a bunch of merch. I mean, especially since I've been headlining, I got a bunch of merch. I like merch. I don't know that I care more about selling the merch than I do about creating these fun, like, uh, almost like I, I'm creating shirts from my childhood, but now making it uh, my own. Like, I have the wolf shirt, and I have the NASCAR shirt. I want to get more shirts, but I don't know how I would possibly carry them around with me without having an insane amount of bags. But I like creating this stuff, right? So, and then I have hats, I have four different color hats, I have two CDs. I have some flyers that I give out to people. I get it. I got my own little flea market in there. But Robert Kelly comes in. Now, just so you know, I'm starting this off a certain way because I really want to tell the story. But it ends well. You know what I mean? So don't listen to half of this and think that I don't like Robert Kelly. It ends well. They talking trash. They talking smack. Telling so many lies. I know they're full of crap. That's okay. Hate is gonna hate. Uh-huh. I'll play at Stinky's Joke Bond with them any day. They, they, they talking trash. So Robert Kelly comes in, and I'm I'm there. I'm in a great mood. I'm having a good time. And he starts asking about this gigantic bag in the corner. Uh, and I was like, well, that's mine. And I always asked headliners if I can sell. I never have. And if a headliner says no, in my head I'm mad at them. But I don't show it, and I just say, cool, no problem. Um, I've never had. I only had one person actually tell me not to sell. I won't say who. And, um, but I, 
so I had this, and he he was like, uh, "Who's that?" You know, and that. But also, I always ask, but I also don't like to bombard someone, right? I don't want someone to walk in and then me immediately run over to them. Hey, I'm Dusty. I'm featuring for you. Can I sell merchandise? You know what I mean? So I like to give people a little time. But he he was like, "Whose stuff is that?" And I was like, "That's mine." And then we have this kind of weird back and forth uh, for a minute, and he's kind of giving me. Uh, kind of giving me some shit for having all this merch, right? And I th- and and in the end, we talked about this, right? And so he was just, you know, he says he was just joking with me and that I was supposed to just joke back with him. But I'm not really that kind of guy. I'm not really the ball buster guy, you know? That's not what I do, especially when I don't know people. I prefer to get to know you, and if we're friends, maybe bust each other's balls a little bit, but that's just not what I do. That's not who I am. Uh I'm okay with it. When I was drinking, I was a little more like that, but I'm not drinking now, you know? So, so we, we had a little thing, you know, and then I was, uh, and then he told me, uh, and, 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 and I think that all of the things that he was talking about was very valid, right? Because he was trying to tell me not to do a long sales pitch because he doesn't want to come on stage after someone's done a long sales pitch that brings the energy down. And I get that, right? Because I've seen people that do these long pitches about all of their merchandise and then there's no jokes in there. They're just telling you about it. And then they're like, I'm donating 20% of this to help teachers. So please buy the shirt. You know, stuff like that where it's like goes on and on and on. And so I was like, cool, no problem. But then he keeps kind of giving me uh, you know, coming at me about it. I was like, dude, I get it. I get it. You know, because my whole sales pitch I've, I've worked in as jokes because I don't want to bum people out either. I don't want to turn my show into a commercial, even though I do enjoy making money. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I also like showing off the shirts that I've created here. So in the end, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to sell. I don't care. I'm not going to sell. And so Friday, I left the green room. I didn't talk to Bobby Kelly. Some could say I was, I, I mean, I was upset, but I was also like, you know what? I'm not going to stir the pot here. I'm not going to make this worse. I'm just going to avoid the situation. I'm not, uh, sometimes when I get mad, it's hard for me to get unmad because it's also kind of hard to make me mad. So then when I get there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm just going to step out before it goes to a place I don't want it to go. So me and Robert Kelly did not talk the rest of that night. I wasn't having it. And so the next day, though, I go in, much better mood, and then it ends up being me and Bobby Kelly in the green room together. And we almost immediately just start laughing about yesterday. You know, I mean, we kind of, like at this point, uh, we're kind of, like we got some one-on-one time. And we're able to just kind of, kind of hash it out, you know. And he was like, "Dude, I was just joking with you, and I wanted you to just joke back with me." And I'm like, "Yeah, I get it, but I don't know you." And it's like, you know, what if I joke back with you and you don't like it? And he's like, "Well, if it's funny, I'm gonna like it." And I'm like, "Yeah, but what if it's not funny?" You know? I was like, "I don't want to get kicked off the show." He's like, "I'm not gonna kick you off the show." And I was like, "Well, I don't know that. You know what I mean? I never worked with you. I don't know what you're gonna do." So we laughed about it, uh, and then it was fine. And then at the end of the night, uh, on 
on Saturday, he pulled out some cigars. We smoked a couple of cigars outside with a guy named Rob who was in a heavy metal band named uh, Exodus. And then Rob showed us a video of him in like Germany at a concert uh, uh, putting on a pretty insane show. So it all ended well. And I actually really enjoyed Robert Kelly in the end. And I really, I almost enjoyed him more because of the interaction that we had in the green room. Because it just felt more, to me, it felt more like a real person type thing. Like, I think sometimes you need a little argument. You need a little tension. I mean, I feel like that we're so, like, everybody is just so nice to each other in person, even though they hate each other on Facebook and on social media. Everybody's just so nice to each other in person and don't say anything. That Sometimes I feel like you need a little something just to show people that we're real humans and we have real emotions. And, you know, Robert Kelly had just uh, had a uh, some kind of snowboarding accident and he cracked his uh, ribs. So he was in a lot of pain. He comes in, he sees me. I got a trucker hat and I got, you know, two different shirts and hats for sale and CDs. And he's like, oh man, this guy's a walk-in flea market. And I am. But I also, um, so, and a lot of times when people are walking flea markets like that, they won't have the best comedy because they seem to focus more on merch. But see me, I did comedy for like, you know, seven years before I ever got any merch. And then when I got merch, it was like getting a tattoo. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, I was like, ooh, I really like this. Let me get another one. Let me get another one. And I'd like to get some more. But I don't know how I would carry it around with me. All of these things are available on DustySlay.com, by the way. If you'd like to buy a wolf shirt or a, um, uh, or a, um, a NASCAR shirt, I also have some Hannah Hogan... Canadian famous t-shirts that I can't seem to get Hannah to sell. So if you'd like to, I thought about, I'm actually probably going to put those on my website at some point just so I can try to sell those. If you'd like to buy some of those, I'd love to sell those to you too. Very fun. So, all right. So then I did two nights in Tempe. Then I went back to Phoenix, another night in Stand Up Live. Very funny. Very fun. I loved it. Actually, I met uh, there's a there's a band that used to be out of North Carolina called the Carolina Chocolate Drops, and it was an all-black uh, bluegrass band. Very talented, very fun. I loved it. I love them. I think they're very good. And the guy that was driving me in Phoenix, uh, to he picked me up from the airport. He, he drove me to the clubs every night, and then he drove me to the airport in the morning. And he was like, I don't know, probably a 60-year-old black man named Charles very cool like Charles was this very smooth and we talked every day you know to and from he might sometimes he was like the only real conversation I had throughout the day and I love this guy I mean I was like by the end of the trip I like I wanted to hang with him more like and apparently he is the dad of one of the guys from Carolina Chocolate Drops so we just talked about music and just traveling and the road, and, and uh, uh, I love this guy. I, I had such a good time talking to him. I really look forward to uh, talking to him You know, every day. Um, it was very fun. It was a bit emotional for me when I left. I mean, I'm a kind of an emotional lever anyway. It's hard for me to leave people once I like—like, like it's, sometimes it's hard for me— 
on a weekend working a club. If I've worked with somebody all weekend and we've been hanging, having a good time, I hate to leave because chances are I'll never see that person again. I mean, and that sounds bad to say, but there's so many comics that I've formed a bond with over the weekend, just hanging, talking, doing comedy, and then the weekend's over, and then I become friends with that person on Facebook, but I never see them again. So, but this guy was great. I really enjoyed this guy. Very smooth guy. I mean, like, he would call the club and they would, cause to tell them that I was coming. And they would, uh, they would go, hello? You know, and he would go, hey, this is Charles. And I got the performer here. And then he would just talk real slow like that. And <laughs> you could tell that the person on the other end of the line really wanted him to wrap it up. But he was like, I don't care. I, I'm going to talk the way I talk. And it was great. So, <clears throat> and then I flew back. And then the next, and then I had one day at home. I had one day. And then I flew to Grand Rapids. And I got picked up and with um, a comic named Kira. Uh, and, a, and she has a very long Russian last name. She, uh, I should know how to say it, but, but I don't. And we got into a car. And we drove up to Mount Pleasant, Michigan, to the Soaring Eagle Casino. And we did, uh, she headlined, I featured, and we did, you know, a night in a casino. Now, the casino was great. It was a really good setup. We got a steak dinner at at the place, and uh, I got to have a cigar inside the casino, which is always fun when you can smoke inside. And, but the... um, but at the casino, they have, you know, they have this huge room and this dedicated to performance. They have a great stage, great lights, everything's going on. But they have at the bar these little casino machines. And the casino machines make the noise. It's like ding, 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 ding. Not even when you win. That's the noise all the time. Ding, 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 yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Right? So before the show, the bartenders and stuff will go over and ask the people, uh, t- they say, hey, we're going to do a uh, comedy show here. We'd love it if you'd turn the volume off of the machine. It's up to you, but we'd love it if you did. Right Now, keep in mind, there's probably 10 of these little things at the bar. And now, it's only one little door doorway away from an entire casino of games endless amounts of games to be played out in the game room floor not 20 feet away these people would not turn the sound off of the machines so we did comedy for an hour and a half with in the background ding 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 and i don't know if if you've ever tried to do that but that's hard that's very hard and anyway, we got through it. We had a good time. And then me and Kira, we drove all the way back to Grand Rapids where we did a the Laugh Fest. We did the Clean Comedy Showcase. And I did that with eight other uh, or seven other very funny comedians. I was going to try to find those names, um, but I probably won't be able to find it. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, then you saw me post about it. Very funny people. Um, I know, for sure I know some of the names right offhand. I actually know all of the names, but I'm afraid to say them because I might I might uh, miss some of them. 
but very funny people. I had a great time, and we did uh, five shows, one Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. And then I, then I got to sleep about 1.30, and then at 2, we sprang forward, and then I had to be up at 3.30. So I got an hour and a half of sleep and then flew home. And then when I flew home, my mom was here, or she came shortly after, and we started moving. And then uh, I got a little sleep that night, and then we moved, 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 and then I got sick. But I was at, in Grand Rapids, I was at Dr. Grin's, which I've been there several times. I love that club. I love doing comedy in Michigan. Honestly, I mean, Michigan feels very Southern to me, and it's Southern, but with a different accent, so I'm, I'm a bit exotic in Michigan, I think, so that's fun. And uh, yeah, we got to, I got to hang out with those comics, which was nice, you know, because so often I'm on the road by myself. Uh, it was nice. I got to hang with seven other comics, you know, just, you know, we would go to lunch together and then after the shows we would all go out and get food together and, you know, just laugh and make jokes and uh, just feels good. I mean, I spent so much time alone that that was very fun. And then I flew back, moved, got sick. I got like a food poisoning type sickness. I said food on the road. Food on the road. Now, I don't need to get into the details. You know what I mean by that if you've ever had food poisoning. But this is what was weird about it, and this is what makes me think that it maybe wasn't food poisoning. So I wake up Wednesday morning after taking Hannah to the airport. I'm back asleep. I wake up, get very achy. Then I start to get very sick. And my mom's here, and it's her last day here. My mom's seen me be sick before, and I have a chair, a recliner in my bedroom. So I said, why don't you just sit in this chair in here and watch TV, and I'll lay here in the bed. That way we can still hang out together, but, you know, I don't have to lay in the living room or whatever. So she was like, fine. So we watched a couple movies, um... And we were having a good time, you know, and I, I was I was like sick, but it was mainly just pain. Once in a while, I would have something going on where I would run to the bathroom, but it was mainly just pain. It felt like swords in my stomach just stabbing me. And so my mom leaves after two movies. We watched two movies. She leaves to go get me some medicine. She's going to get me some Pepto-Bismol, which it was disgusting. I threw it away. I actually took a shot of that, then threw up. Made me feel a lot better. I don't know if that was the purpose of it, but and then I threw it away. I was like, I never want to touch that again. But my mom, she was like on my way to the uh, place to get me some Pepto Bismol. She was like, I started to feel sick too. So my mom ended up getting sick like me and almost going through all the same stages that I went through. And we were both over it in a day. Now, the only thing that we ate that was the same was we ate some pizza. But I ate the pizza, and she ate some crust. That's the only thing. Other than that, Hannah ate with us, too. Hannah never got sick. So I don't know what it was, but it's like... And so my mom was going to drive me to the airport, but I just left her here. I was like, she was not feeling good. I was like, I cannot wake you up at 5 a.m. to drive me to the airport right now. So... Um, so, you know, I was like deathly sick and the next day I had to wake up and fly to San Antonio. That's when I upgraded my flight with, uh, Southwest. Cause I was like, I want to get on this thing first cause I want an aisle seat and then I want to be able to get off this thing fast. And so 
I direct flight, San Antonio. I flew, got to my hotel, rested. Went and did some radio stuff on, on Thursday, and then I had more radio on Friday. Great radio. Actually, all of the radio people came to my shows. Um, and I did a country station. I did a, like a classic rock station. I did the, the Billy Madison show, which was a talk show. Uh, all very fun. I think Ralphie May used to do that show all the time. That show was a bit intimidating for me because I walk in and there's like 10 people in a room. I'm like, oh, this is like a Howard Stern type setup in here. And I had no idea. Uh, and so, but that was fun. And I worked with the comic, uh, Barry Laminac out of Houston. We had a great time. He does some ESPN radio there in Houston. We had a great time. A guy, uh, uh, a guy that hosted for us, Big Al. Uh, I don't know that I ever got Al's last name, but Big Al is his name. And, uh, all very fun. Uh, me and Barry had some cigars at night and, uh, just kind of hung. San Antonio was pretty warm. And now I'm back. I'm back. But I'm about to leave again today. They're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Yeah! Today I'm heading out to Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm doing a show at Brewski's Pub and Grub. That'll be tonight. This is Wednesday. Uh, March 20th, I'll be there. But then tomorrow, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Duets Restaurant and Jazz. And then uh, on Saturday, I have no show Friday. I may pop up somewhere. I may go to Springfield, Missouri or something, see my buddy Christopher Michael Ray at the Blue Room Comedy Club. But I don't know. Um, But I'll be Saturday, I'll be in Oakwood, Illinois at Exit 10 Saloon. So... Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas tonight, Tulsa, Oklahoma tomorrow, Oakwood, Illinois on Saturday. I'm about to burn my bridge with with the loony bins. And I'm sad about it a little bit because I like doing the loony bins. But I can't really get uh, – I like them a lot. I like, I like those clubs. I like all the people that work there. But they have a, a real radius clause at the loony bin. And I can't really get booked enough. And I, I like going to Tulsa, and I have some other options now thanks to my, my management and my agency. I do have some some options. So uh, I had that gig in Tulsa, and I was like, well, I know the gig in Tulsa is going to burn my Looney Bin bridge, so I might as well try to hit up something in Little Rock on the way, cut the drive time a bit, have a little fun. And uh, so if you're, if you're listening uh, from Tulsa, Little Rock, or Oakwood, Illinois, I'm coming. I'm coming to your town. So let's do it. All right. So, you know, I have moved, as I've, as I've talked about, I moved to, and I'm back on the west side of town, which I was been living in Hendersonville for a year. And I felt like I've been just trapped up there, just in a sad apartment. It was dark. I didn't have a lot of light. And, and now I'm in, back in the west side, my favorite part of town. I got all my great, all my favorite restaurants, all my grocery stores. It really feels like I've come back home. I go I go to the Publix, and I'm like, oh, this is the Publix I've been coming to for years. And it just makes me happy. I don't know why a Publix makes me so happy. I got my favorite Asian restaurant back, LJ's Asian Cuisine, which I'm pumped about. I got Hattie B's real close. I got ML Rose real close. Um, I got my coffee shop headquarters right here. I'm very excited. I got a post office that I can walk to, and I got the bank that I can walk to, 
everything I need is right here, and I feel very happy. And last night, I went to the Grand Old Opry uh, to – I went backstage uh, with uh, – um, with my agent from APA, we went to um, the Grand Old Opry, and Charlie Daniels was playing, and I got to meet Charlie Daniels. We'll be riding wild fire. All right. Now, I love Charlie Daniels. I don't know how much people really uh, know about Charlie. If you're an older listener, then you know you definitely know who he is. But if you don't, I recommend him. If you have Spotify, go listen to Char- the Charlie Daniels Band, Saddle Tramp. The thing that's great about Saddle Tramp is I think it's the first album they ever released. And it's a jam. I mean, I mean, Charlie Daniels is very famous for this song right here. I think everybody will recognize this. Now, if you don't know that, that's The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And if you're like me, in 1996, the uh, the, uh, Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was the year of, was it 96? I'm pretty sure it was 96. That was the year of the girls' gymnastics team that won gold, right? So I was like 14, and so were they. And I was into it. I was in love with these gymnastics girls. They had a cover of the Wheaties box that I kept for a while. Uh, and one of the girls, I don't remember any of their names really, but one of the girls was doing that thing where they're they're out on the floor. I don't know. They're on the whole floor by themselves, like a freestyle, I think they call it, where they just do a bunch of flips and cartwheels and stuff like that out on the floor, and then they have a music that they play. Well, she played The Devil Went Down to Georgia, and it was pretty badass. I gotta be, I'm not going to lie. We loved it. We were cheering. So that's Charlie Daniels. Now, that's what he's, he's most famous for. But he has so many things. Like this, I mean, like this is one of my favorites. I mean, very country. But Charlie Daniels is so great. And then he, he jams a bit, too. I mean, get into it. You know what I mean? I recommend that. Uh, Saddle Tramp, and then the album Million Mile Reflections. Uh, that one's really good. That one's got The Devil Went Down to Georgia on it. I just say listen to the whole album. And then even, he's got an album called Simple Man, and that that was one of my favorites. This song is like this. I used to listen to this all the time. Just... Oh man, I used to think I was 
Uh, I just think I was so tough listening to this song. I thought that it would get into it faster. Here you go. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. And um, all right, then this is the last one. And this is this is one of my favorite songs, not only um, of, you know, just uh, of Charlie Daniels, but but of all time. I mean, it's so good. This is my favorite part. I love it. If you don't like the way I'm living, you just leave this long-haired country boy alone. Oh, man, it's so good. What a world we would live in if we all just left each other alone. Imagine a world of just freedoms. We were like, okay, we're free to do whatever and we're not going to bother each other. Wow, what a life that would be. You know what I mean? And uh, so Charlie Daniels is great. I, I recommend just taking some time. I mean, if you're not a country fan, I get it. But like that's why I recommend those earlier's earlier albums like Saddle Tramp and Million Mile Reflection because it's got a little bit of like a Leonard Skinner, Allman Brothers type feel feel that um, you um, that you might like a little more than just uh, just country. But don't don't go get the greatest hits. Don't do that. I'm against greatest hits albums now. I mean, some of them, some, some, some people, you're like, all right, we need the greatest hits because you didn't put out that many. But there is some really good stuff. Also, there's another one called uh, one more that I'm trying to find here. Oh, Fire on the Mountain. That one's really good, too. That's what's got long-haired country boy on it. And also, it's got Trudy. Trudy, here we go. One, just one more. I'm going to play a little bit of Trudy. So what's great about Charlie Daniels is he is all, all like this is what I, I never I, I always struggled with the with the Allman Brothers, right? I love the jam of the Allman Brothers, but like lyrical content and the way that I just wasn't into it, you know. I really like Dwayne Allman. There's an album by Eric Clapton called Derek and the Dominoes, and that's Eric Clapton and Dwayne Allman together on that pretty awesome album. Really awesome album. But anyway, 
Uh, I just wasn't so into the Allman Brothers, and I've even since then bought some albums and tried to get into them, and I, I just am not that into them. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to not be into the Allman Brothers or not, but I'm just not, right? But I love country music, and I love a jam. That's what's so great about Charlie Daniels is his voice, his lyrical content is everything country, all country. But then he's also got this real jamming aspect to him because he could play guitar. I mean, the dude's in his 80s, and he was at the Grand Old Opry jamming out last night. He played the de- he plays the fiddle, and he plays guitar. And he played uh, The Devil Went Down to Georgia last night, which I, I don't know that I've ever seen Charlie Daniels play live. And... Uh, before I tell you that, I'm going to say, I went in, I got to go into his green room and he was like, you know, sit down. And so I sat down in there and I had nothing to say to Charlie Daniels. I don't know what to say to him. Um, and I had, I, I couldn't come up with anything. I was so, I was, you know, I'm starstruck because I've been listening to this guy my entire life. When I was a little kid, I had these big headphones that you could put on. You almost couldn't hear anything else around you. And I had just discovered Charlie Daniels, right? I had a greatest hit CD, and I kept listening to Devil Went Down to Georgia over and over and over again. And I was just singing the song out loud because I wanted to memorize the song. So I'm up in my room, and I'm just up in my room, just so you know, uh, at 14, I moved out of the trailer park, right? And we had a, a log cabin house with a loft in it. So I was up in that loft. Now, the loft had no doors and only a half wall. So I'm wide open up there. I'm fully exposed. So I'm up there and I'm singing. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal, right? So I did the whole song. And then when you get to the end of the song, if you're listening to a radio version, it'll be a little different. But if you're listening to the album version, he says, when when Johnny wins the competition against the devil, he said, I done told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best it's ever been, right? And then it kicks into it, and it says, fire on the mountain, run, boy. And then J- Charlie Daniels is tearing up the fiddle. But So I listen to that song, I don't know, 20, 30 times up in my room, singing every lyric until I got it memorized. And I'm just belting out that, I told you once, you son of a bitch, you know what I mean? And my... Mom tells me the next day, she goes, yeah, I heard you singing that Charlie Daniels song. And then she uh, reminds me about the part that I wasn't even thinking about when she said it. And I was like, oh, gosh. And my mom wasn't even mad. That's how great Charlie Daniels is. I'm up there saying bitch a bunch of times as a 14-year-old kid. And my mom's like, hey, at least you're learning good music. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm watching Charlie Daniels last night play. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And he's just burning up these bows uh, for the fiddle. He burns up a bow, throws it into the audience, and there's a man right behind him to hand him a new bow. And so he's playing, and he's added in a jam to Devil Went Down to Georgia. So mid-song, I mean, he is just burning it up out there. He is jamming. And then when he gets done, he holds the fiddle up in front of his face and blows on it, and it blows up all this dust that he's just like, I guess, sawed off of the bow or the fiddle itself. I don't know, but it was pretty awesome. And the dude's in his 80s. You know, he used to be a session musician, uh, and he played uh, some stuff with Bob Dylan way back, and 
he's really been around. And so it was a real honor to meet Charlie Daniels. So many of the country singers that I was a fan of growing up and still am a fan of have already died, right? So I never will get to meet Merle Haggard or Waylon Jennings or, or you know, uh, Hank Sr. or, you know, any, anybody like that. I, I'll never get to meet them. Willie Nelson's still around. Um, Hank Jr.'s still around. Uh, but, you know, it's like... Um, but just to be able to meet Charlie Daniels last night was pretty special. And I'll be back at the Grand Ole Opry on April 12th. I have a show at Zany's March 27th, but that's been bought out by a charity. Charity, you can go if you'd like, but tickets are very expensive now. Uh, so I'm not even really pushing that one. I mean, I want you to go, but at the same time, I charge $10 for tickets, and I think they're charging like 75 for tickets because it's going to benefit a charity. So I suggest... If you don't want to spend that much money, come on April 10th. I'll be back as part of the Nashville Comedy Festival. And then on April 12th, I'll be at the Grand Old Opry. And uh, um, I think I feel pretty good about this podcast. I mean, I'm excited to be back. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time. Next week, I think Hannah will be back and we'll be able to... um, you know, really get into st- some stuff, really have some fun. Hopefully I'll have my whole technology back to where I need it to be so that I can provide the perfect podcasting experience for you. And uh, But I just want to get something out because I don't like when I'm not doing the podcast because I'm having a lot of fun out here on the road. I'm doing a lot of fun things, and I just want to keep people up to speed with what I'm doing and let you know where you can find me. My website is up to date I have a bunch of dates that's not on there right now, but they're pretty far off. So in the next few months, um, my website's very up to date. Um, get on there, check it out. I got some new videos coming out. I got my Opry debut uh, is a video that's coming out, and it's very funny. I've gotten to see it, so I'm excited about that. I got some other opportunities. I've gotten into some comedy festivals. Uh, here and there. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about them just yet, but I got into a few exciting comedy festivals. So things are looking good. I feel I I haven't felt so good about comedy in a long time. I mean, I it just I mean, I felt good about it the whole time, but I feel great about where it's at right now. I'm getting a lot of opportunities. I'm 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 writing some new stuff. Advice. I uh, I want to say people have been asking me here and there about getting booked, and I want to say if you're a very new comic, you know I wouldn't focus so much on trying to get booked in a club. I would focus on finding yourself the most amount of stage time. Now I, that may sound a little contradictory. Don't worry about getting into a club, but find stage time. But I mean, find stage time anywhere you can. Open mics, bar shows. Um, opening for local bands. Uh, go to, I used to go to a poetry open mic in Charleston all the time. Um, just find ways to get up in front of a microphone and tell your jokes, right? And then be working on your jokes. I mean, I lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a long time, but, you know, five years actively doing comedy. And I never even did comedy at a comedy club. So, 
I was just honing my craft. You know, I was getting good. I was just enjoying doing comedy. I mean, for a <clears throat> for a long time, what I would say to people was, you know, I hope we make. They would say, they would say, well, I hope we make a little money off this. And I would go, I don't care about making money. I was like, I have a job. You know, I'm doing comedy because I enjoy doing it. Now. At this point, comedy has become my job, so I definitely care about making money. But for a long time, there was no focus on making money in comedy for me. It was all about the comedy. It was all about getting up on stage and making people laugh. That's all I wanted to do. That's still all I want to do, but now it's my job. I need to make money. But, I mean, that's all I wanted to do was make people laugh. We used to do shows at all kinds of places. And it's like, it. that's what's so great about it. I mean, it's a challenge to, I mean, we would do some shows. I remember this place we did, a Bushido Japanese restaurant, right? There was, I remember three different hosts trying to run that show. But every time it was very poor marketing. So we would go into a restaurant and start setting up speakers. And people are just sitting there enjoying their company of their friend, enjoying their sushi. And then all of a sudden we cut the microphone on and we go, all right, we're doing comedy. And people are not happy. And it's hard to make those people laugh. But learning to make them laugh when they want to just sit there and eat their food is what really helps you. It really helps you, you know, get good at comedy you know, learning how to make them laugh and not how to walk them. And we did comedy. We used to, I used to run a weekly open mic. Uh, for a long time, I ran an open mic at a place called The Upper Deck. And The Upper Deck was a very dirty bar, but one of my favorite places in the world. I used to drink there so much, and I had such a good time. I think it's gone, and it, it makes me sad. I mean, so many of my old Charleston bars have gone and it makes me very sad i mean big john's i used to drink at all the time it's gone upper deck it's gone i think ac's is still there that was one of my old places that i that's the first bar i ever really got drunk at when i lived in charleston with my friend named kevin kemp we called him sleepy and uh he got me pretty wasted in there uh he we started off at a place called cumberland's which is also gone and i think they had 25 cent beer during the Simpsons, they had Duff beer, so you had 30 minutes to take advantage of 25 cent beers. So that's where we started the night. And uh, I'll have you know, I threw up later, and uh, in Kevin's apartment. It was the first time I ever got drunk in Charleston, and I threw up in my new friend's house. So luckily, he lived in a pretty crappy apartment on Spring Street, so it wasn't that big of a deal. And uh, I slept sitting upright. He had no heater, and it was wintertime. I slept sitting upright on his couch in my army jacket, and that's probably why I threw up that and all the alcohol I drank. But um, I've thrown up a lot. That's why I was such a shock to throw up last week because I haven't drank in seven years. So I've only thrown up once in that seven years aside from uh, yesterday. So it was pretty shocking. Not yesterday, last Wednesday. Pretty shocking to throw up. I'm going to be honest with you. When I used to drink, I used to, I used to almost wake up in the morning and just make myself throw up just so I could feel better. I was so used to throwing up. That's pretty sad. But now I'm so not used to it that it's painful and I hate it. The um, so all that all that to say, 
if you're doing comedy and you're you're very new, I mean, just spend the time enjoying comedy. Get good at it. Enjoy writing a new joke. Enjoy that feeling of taking the stage and going, oh, this new joke worked. And I don't want to harp on being clean because I know people don't want to be clean. They want to tell dirty jokes. I get it. This is what I'll say. Focus on nice, dirty jokes. You know what I mean? Like, don't have hateful jokes. Just be nice. Make the audience excited that they're there. Bring joy to people. Make them feel good. They go, you know what? I came to see this show, and I'm glad I did because that dude or that lady made me laugh. You know, enjoy comedy. And then at, the more you start to enjoy it, the more you start to get good at writing jokes, the more people are going to ask you to be on their shows. There is a bit of a clickiness with comedy scenes sometimes, but for the most part, most people just want to book funny people. So just show them how funny you can be and how entertaining you can, how much you can entertain the audience, and they'll start booking you. And then as you develop, as you get 25, you know, I don't know, as you get 20 minutes of good, solid material, then you can start approaching clubs to host. You know, start to be like, hey, I'd like to get some hosting work here. And then once you start hosting for a while, then you'll naturally progress into featuring. And then once you start featuring, uh, a natural progression will be headlining in some clubs. Now, other clubs is going to require more stuff. But remember to do as many different types of gigs as you can do because that's what's going to help you the most. If you can entertain a music crowd, that's awesome. It opens new opportunities for you. If you can entertain a you know, older crowd, uh, a crowd that's a different ethnicity than you, um, a younger crowd, um, a crowd that appreciates clean, a crowd that appreciates dirty. All of these things are going to open new doors for you. And there is a difference in between doing an alt room and a comedy club. And neither of those are bad. It's uh, I can do alt rooms very well, but I can also do clubs very well. You know, sometimes people think, you know, all club comics, they're all hacks, you know what I mean? But club comics are the ones making money or, or, you know, so it's like you want to be able to do both, be able to do an alt room because you can become alt room hack too, right? Where it's like you only know how to do alt rooms. You're very cool in the alt rooms, but you can't do a club. I never understood why someone would want to do comedy, but limit the amount of rooms that they can do. I want to do all of them. I want to do the worst comedy clubs, and I want to do the coolest alt rooms. I want to do the best comedy clubs and the worst alt rooms. I love it. I did comedy in, in uh, what was that place? Uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I did comedy standing on the bar it was a very small bar and that's how they did comedy was the comics stand on the bar and and tell jokes to the people down below and i thought oh geez this is what i'm doing now and uh i got up there and i had a blast i did like 45 minutes up on this bar with a microphone that was taped up and every time i touched the mic it put sticky stuff on my hands so much so i kept looking at my hands people thought i had my jokes written on my hands it was a blast. And later that week, I went to a comedy club and had a blast. I mean, nowadays, I'm like, you know, I'm doing, you know, one week I'm out on the road with Burt Kreischer in a tour bus doing, um, 
doing you know thousand seat twelve twelve hundred seat seventeen hundred seat uh, theaters, and then the next day I'm at a brewery in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, for and there's ten chairs, and and then probably a packed room of fifty people in there standing. I had a blast at both. Comedy is a blast, and there's different levels, there's different types of rooms, but it's a blast. Enjoy doing it. Keep your job. Keep, as they would say, keep your day job until you get to a place where you don't have to do the day job. But keep doing it because the day job is going to be a source of inspiration for you. When I quit the pesticide job and went back to waiting tables at Hyman's, I carried a notebook with me, and every interaction I had with – every time I got a bad table, I said to myself, this could be material. I could get something out of this. Let me pay attention. Let me make something happen. Um, And I wrote a ton of jokes about Hyman's. If you've never heard my Hyman's jokes, uh, it's on uh, the album Making That Fudge called – the track called I've Waited Tables. And I wrote all of those jokes just based on my interactions with people. My flea market joke that I did on The Tonight Show, I was driving back from Indianapolis. I saw this flea market. I said, you know what? I'm going to stop in there. Maybe I'll get some jokes in there. And I didn't expect that I would get this type of thing. But uh, you know, living life, working jobs, doing things, that's where you're going to get material from, talking to people. I mean if you're in a customer service job, I bet you hate it. I hate it too. I've worked retail. I've worked a bunch of retail and I've worked a bunch of uh, restaurant jobs. I hated them. But it gave me a real source of material that I'm still mining. Some of them I haven't even figured out how to make them funny yet. But I used to, for a long time, I worked at a restaurant called Jim Bob's Chicken Fingers. And unless you live in the Auburn, Opelika area, that's funny to you. Otherwise, you're like, that's delicious. But I worked there. I mean, there's some funny stuff that happened while I worked there. I can't. Fi- I, I delivered pizza with Papa John's for years. I worked at Western Sizzling, and I'm still. Tr- I worked at Western Sizzling two different times, and I'm trying to figure out how to make that funny. I got a little joke out of it, but not what I want. And uh, you know, uh, there's so much out there, so much exciting stuff. Enjoy doing comedy. Enjoy mining your mind. That's what's so great. It's just. It's just. People say to me all the time that I grew up with, they say, you have an incredible memory. You remember all these things. And it's like, well, I do remember them all. But it's also because I've sat around and I've, and I've really dug deep into my brain to find all these old things. I look through old pictures. I watch old home videos. And it just brings back memories. And it's new stuff to write about. So, you know, that's my advice is if you're new at comedy... Now, a lot of the advice that we try to give out is about booking, and and that's for comics that have been doing it for a little while but are still struggling to get gigs. But if you're not in that boat, if you're like, I know I'm not struggling to get gigs, I got a day job, I'm just trying to get better at comedy, then just spend the time getting good at comedy and don't worry about the money. Worry about the craft and the art and the money will come. As long as you have the work ethic and the ability to write a joke uh, and the ability to perform that joke, uh, you're going to get it. It's going to be fine. Take your time. Uh, I've missed Hannah today, but I did enjoy doing a solo podcast. I won't lie to you. I don't know if this is interesting to anyone, but I've enjoyed talking. 
and I've had a great time. The last few weeks have been very good for me. Nothing is wrong. I've moved into an apartment that I like so much more, and uh, I look forward to um, seeing some of you people on the road. My wife, Hannah, is in Seattle, Washington. She's on a 10-day journey through Washington, so if you live in Washington State, uh, look up her social media, Miss Hannah Hogan, uh, and find out where she's at. Probably her website is up to date too, Hannah Hogan Comedy. My website's Dusty Slay Comedy. My social media is at Dusty Slay. Go to the podcast. Go to iTunes. Give us a review. Rate it. Only rate it five stars. If you're going to rate it less than five stars, then uh, then don't do it. Uh, I don't want your. I don't want. I don't want. Uh, I don't want a super critical review. I don't want some review where you're like, I would have given it five stars, but I kept hearing cars in the background. Yeah, I don't need that. If you're going to do that. Don't do it. Not that anyone's done that. I don't know why I even made that voice. Like, But you know those people. They'll give a four-star review about a restaurant, and they talk about how wonderful it was. And they'll go, I'm only giving it the four stars because when I went into the restaurant, as I opened the door, the air conditioner hit me in the face, and it messed up my hair, and I just can't give it five stars. You know, it's like, take it easy. You know what I mean? Just take it easy. Life is good, and we're all having a, a good time. I know I'm having a good time. You're having a good time. We're having a good time. I appreciate you listening to this. I've had a good time. 